Peace, family. Welcome to another episode of The Foundation. This time, we catch up with ABA behavior specialist Kenny Matthews. Matthews has been involved in the applied behavior analysis field for over seven years now, working with both kids and adults suffering from mental health and autism. Matthews was born and raised in Red Bank, New Jersey, and attended Montclair State University, as well as Keene, where he graduated ultimately. In a display of incredible persistence, it took Matthews over nine years to complete this four-year degree, but he did so, earning his his psychology degree with a focus on child psychology and sociology. Matthews then completed course training to become certified as an ABA specialist. Matthew's story provides listeners with a foundation on getting started in this field as well as in-depth instructions on alternate routes that will get you there as well. Matthew talks in depth about the perceptions that autistic and mental health kids have to encounter every day from society. Matthew then goes in depth about his experience working in a group home for five years in North New Jersey, which is one of the state's toughest areas. Matthew sheds lights on a misunderstanding that is often attributed to this troubled population and how his work with them obliterated those preconceived notions and prejudices. The themes that stuck out to me seem to be the incredible empathy and work ethic littered through Matthew's story. Listen and see if there are any tools you may be able to extract from Matthew's story in order to help you construct your own success. Until next time, keep building, family. Peace. All right, family. Welcome to another episode of The Foundation. On this episode, we got a very special guest, Kenny Matthews. Um, Kenny Matthews is a behavioral specialist, um, and he works up in North Jersey, I believe, or all throughout New Jersey with different clients. And what he does is he works with special need and um, behavioral challenge uh, adults and kids, and he helps them, you know, reintegrate, whether it be into the work world or school world or kind of pretty much be able to uh, to function as a normal uh, or as a functioning adult. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce Kenny. Um, how you doing today, Kenny? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, the opportunity. No problem, brother. I think it's um, I think it's very, very critical that, you know, we have brothers like you um, that are in a field that's not, that's not really representative of us or or we're not represented in the field a lot um, with us being black, young black males in a behavioral specialist field. Um, and I think it's very important because I think a lot of those kids or a lot of those people end up being um, people of our community. So I think it, it is important that, you know, a lot of people of our community um, are knowledgeable about what's going on or, or into this sphere. Um, so you know, kind of without further ado, we just go in to get to how was everything growing up? Um, you know, how how was your, you know, upbringing coming through high school, coming through middle school? How was uh, those years for you? Um, I mean, for me, things were, um, I can't really complain. You know what? I was uh, always a leader growing up. Um, I, I had older siblings, like uh, older cousins. Um, and they had friends that they introduced me to throughout school. So I never really was, you know, the type to get picked on and bullied, but I was more the type 
you know, growing up to see the, the challenges that, that some of the kids needed in school or that, you know, maybe they needed a pair of sneakers or something like that. People made fun of them. And um, I was one of the ones that always stepped up and I was well respected. Um, so throughout school, you know, I kind of, you know, didn't run into a lot of those problems. I was more so, you know, kind of the 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 middleman in between to make peace for a lot of uh some of the unfortunate situations that some of these families come from so where uh where did you grow up in jersey uh i grew i am i was born in red bank uh, oh yeah yeah i was born in red bank uh i grew up in red bank on harrison ave uh in red bank oh, okay um I and i was bounced in between uh long branch and red bank oh, okay all right so um so, all right, so you was growing, going up through high school. Uh, where'd you do your college at? Uh, I went to Montclair for two semesters, and then I graduated from Kane. Okay, and when, what was your major at those schools? Uh, my major was psychology. Oh, psychology? But, and I focused in child psychology, so. Oh, okay, so is that kind of where you, uh, you know, kind of got the, ch the child development or behavioral interest? Uh, yes, yes. I've always had an interest in, you know, working with children because uh, I always felt like they're the future. They're the ones that's going to take care of me when I get old. So why not make them right now? Yeah, I agree. So um, when, when, so you said it was college, you kind of, you know, knew you kind of wanted to go down this field and start helping kids. Once you, um, you know, made that decision that I do want to, you know, find a way to be involved and help more kids out what was your kind of um you know did what was your kind of goal or path after that like what what kind of steps did you take um so basically um what i did was uh, i did a lot of bu a bunch of retail jobs and things um until i was able to get the opportunity to work um in a group home i worked in a group home for five years um in newark so uh, I dealt with a lot of uh, children from different areas, um, some from, you know, Asbury, Neptune, Newark, Irvington. So it was from a lot of the urban communities. Um, and I've seen a lot of things and I've heard a lot of things. And uh, one of the things that really pushed my interest is being able to listen and not speak. Um, being able to listen to them was huge. Um, and a lot of the children in there thought that because they came from bad homes or broken homes, rather, um, they didn't think that they would be able to make it in life uh, because they were now stereotyped or or uh, misjudged, you know, by the community. Wow. So, um, wow. So you as a, a young, you know, fresh out of college or whatever, um, that was your first job was a group home in, in North? Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. Like, how was that experience for that being your first job? Like, <laughs> kind of talk. Uh, you know what? Um, with that being uh, one of the first things that I did, um, and I actually started there before I graduated college. Oh, um, so I kind of had like a foot in the door. Um, and... I think if you can get through those days, yeah. it's, it's very important um, to take mental health. But, you know, for yourself, 
because uh-huh. of the things that you see and the things that you hear about some of these, you know, broken homes. So it was, if I was able to get through that, yeah. I think I'm, you know, sky's the limit from here. Yeah. And um, like, what is, what's some of the, the techniques like that you would kind of recommend? Like, how did you kind of get through going through that stuff as a, as a really, really young raw, um, you know, kind of, you know, employee or, you know, starting out in your career? That's a very good question. Um, and I think that a lot of it um, came from listening, mm-hmm. uh, not just to the, the youth, the, um, listening to some of the staff, um, and also not um, being quick to judge these children before you actually get to know them. Because what, you know, their relationship with one person is may not be with the next. And I learned that um, by working at that group home. Uh, I built a very, very strong rapport with a lot of the kids there. And um, it showed. It shows when I'm out in a community and I see one of them or um, I, you know, decide to pop back in and say hi. They know me. They know my name, even though some of the kids may not be there anymore. They may be older. You know, they may have exited the program, but it shows. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, like, um, you know, from working at a place like a group home from for five years, what is one of maybe, you know, some of the biggest misconceptions that you yourself might have had or maybe, you know, you feel like other people have about the population of kids who, you know, come from these places, what goes on in these places and and all of that? Um, I think um, I kind of went in there um, with a, just the thought that all of these kids are like, just you know bad kids and I don't even really like to use that term because there's a lot of kids that are in there that are just some are from broken homes some have great homes their families just you know aren't able to provide them the services or the time that they need um, sometimes they don't understand that because their families they, they came from a broken home yeah. so um you know, down the pipeline just was, you know, they were just brought up in a bad situation um, rather than them being bad themselves. Um, And I learned, you know, I learned that from just sitting and talking to a lot of them um, and introducing them to new things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's so like, Talk about um, why you think it's important to introduce some of these kids to new things. Um, Very good question as well. Um, Introducing these kids into new things um, was super important. I think that is the probably one of the most important things uh, that I learned uh, in working in this field is uh, introducing them into new things uh, because a lot of kids that come from Uh, these urban areas, their families were broken. Um, They didn't either have a mother or father or both. Um, They grew up in the system in group homes, so they weren't weren't able to be introduced to things like fishing, like, uh, you know, going to certain parks. And I think those things are super, super important um, because these are the things that will keep them 
level-headed and keep them out of being in trouble and keep them in the right direction instead of, you know, getting out of the program and going back to being, becoming a product of their environment. I I agree too. Cause like, it's, it's easy for them, you know, to go to a program and, um, you know, do these things that you talk about, but when that program ends at like six and now you got to go back home, um, you know, and you don't see this type of stuff. It is very hard to kind of, you know, take that type of stuff seriously. Very much so. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of so. What kind of um, what kind of activities or like how, what kind of challenges? I guess do you kind of find yourself faced with when you're coming up with trying to put together these type of activities or these you know outdoor or even you know indoor whatever these new activities for these kids to engage in? Um, I think one of the some of the hardest challenges is just getting them to engage in new things, um, to think outside the box. Uh, these are things that, of course, you know, they're not introduced to at, in, at their homes. Um, so it's something new to them. So to keep them engaged, you know, you kind of have to be able to um, shift gears and be able to bring, you know, bring things down to their level so that they can understand or so that, you know, even if you get them engaged in it for five minutes, it's something new. You accomplish the goal um, because it was just that five minutes. And, you know, you never know. Five minutes can turn into 10 and 10 can turn into 15. And, you know, they may end up liking fishing or whatever the activity may be. So um, grouping kids from different areas, um, it's almost trying to bring, you know, six seven different norms into one place and make it work yeah. so that's one of the really hard challenges is to get you know someone from south jersey to get along with someone from north jersey because their norms are totally different yeah so like with with situations like that um do you kind of just you know bring the group together and probably try to establish like a new norm that's going to be for the group that everybody's going to conform to or like how do you kind of you know do like if i am uh starting off for like as a behavioral specialist like how would you type try to kind of give a young person advice on how to control their their kids if they were in a similar situation so um with with Children, I, this is the thing that I love about children versus working actually with adults is that um, children will change and they conform. Um, they conform to, you know, social conformity. If, if you have, if you're praising, you're constantly praising, there's one kid in a group that's doing something right, uh -huh. you praise that. Yeah. And then the next person will follow along. Um, and then the next person may follow along and you might have an outlier that just may not, you know, catch on to it or follow along, but you got six kids and you might have four already that are following along to that, that's that norm. Uh -huh. So now you only got two that you really need to work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's two kids that you really got to, you know, figure out what their, what their, what their niche is. And, um, a, a huge part of that is just being able to, um, you have to build a rapport with each one of those children differently. Mm -hmm. You have to, because if not, you're never going to understand their level and you're never going to understand 
that you can't you may be able to talk to one a certain type of way yeah yeah and you can't talk to you know the other ones the same way i agree i agree and i kind of see that um you know because i'm a coach too so i coach you know football and stuff so you kind of see that you know every kid don't even respond to the same style of like you can give one of the kids tough love but you might have to be a little gentle with the other one you know because they might, you know, they might, feelings might be real fragile, you know, to where you say something wrong to them and they done for the day. Yeah. Um, Never know somebody's story, man. You yeah, know what kids been through. Yeah, I agree. Um, And so you talked about, too, that you deal with adults. Now, do you find that it's different um, to, to deal with adults with this type of stuff? Um, For the adult clients, uh, it with the adult clients, it is a little more challenging when it comes to trying to like teach an old dog new tricks. Um, one thing with the adults is, you know, uh, the adults that I, I work with are, you know, have been diagnosed with autism. So um, with that, it is, if, if anyone, you know, is familiar with the field or knows anything, um, someone with autism, uh, they kind of, find they have their niche they have their thing and you know a lot of people don't give them as much credit as they deserve but they they have their thing and it's really it takes them a little longer i wouldn't say it's harder but it takes them longer to adapt to change it's possible but it just takes them longer so that's why it makes it a little bit more difficult you know trying to you know it's almost like trying to teach you all right, your favorite food used to be, you know, chicken, now it's corn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it might take you, like, two, three years, you know, but eventually yeah. you might like it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah nah, I feel that. So um, do you kind of, do you, so with the adults, you work with the adults with the autism, right? And then the kids are the behavioral specialist kids. I have both. For oh, for yeah. kids, I have both. Uh, adults are mainly just autism. Okay. Now, do you find that that it is more challenging working with the the autistic kids over the behavioral specialist, or is it just a different type of work? Um, I guess it's kind of just switching hats, man. It's really one of those things where um, you you can go from in this field you you have to have patience like you will never last if you don't have patience um yeah. now for you know everyday normal functioning adults i don't have patience for <laughs> like because it's like come on man like you don't have any excuse like but um you know adults with disabilities and such like that you know you you find to have patience for them because you know you know it's kind of one of those things it's like hey i know that this person can change i know that it i also know that it may take a little longer so with that um you know i just am able to switch my hat and put on a new hat because the kids you know we're doing more of the you know i'm trying to teach them to be able to become uh um an independent adult whereas the adult is already an adult and i just have to teach them to survive yeah, you know, got to teach them how to spend money and and things that they aren't really used to. Yeah. 
So, I mean, your job, it kind of sounds like it has a lot to do um, with with empathy. Like, hearing that, hearing you talk, um, it sounds a lot like that you're, like you're, that you're an empathic individual. Do you feel like, you know, that it was maybe some some things that maybe have happened to kind of, like, where do you feel that you, you come with this, this empathic spirit? Or do you feel like it was just something that was always a part of you? Um, just always through growing up and stuff? Um, I think it was just uh, one of those things. Um, my mom always said that like when I was younger and I, I don't really remember these stories, but she always tells me that when I was younger and they used to have like the feed the children commercials and stuff, like I would stop eating my food and ready to wrap it up and be like, mom, like we got to send this food. Like, you know, like, you know, and that was just one of the things that she always, she always reiterates that to me. So growing up, um, you know, it was just one of those things where I was always, I'm a jokester. I love joking. I love telling jokes. I can get up. You can put me in a room with anybody and I can get along with them. And I feel like there's no reason that there should be that one person sitting over in the corner and can't get along with us as well, all because they have a disability or all because they don't look like us. You know what I mean? So I think that was just something that from a kid, um, it just, you know, it was something that just grew with me. It was something I never even noticed. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I think that's pretty dope, man, because I think um it's not it's not a trait that that is common in a lot of people, you know. Um I think a lot of people, you know, always try to look for the end game and stuff like that. And, you know, even in even in professions where you think, you know, kids are or people would be for the kids, something like a teacher or something like that, a lot of the times, you know, you, you know, I've spoken to some teachers and it's like Damn, you know that you you're here to give these kids knowledge and not you know just to be for you. So I think it is refreshing, you know, when you yeah. see that people working with these kids got got the best interests at heart. Um, mm-hmm. And that bring bring me to our next my next question because you kind of pointed something out earlier is that there's not a lot of um, black uh, male people in this field. Very much. You so. kind of feel like. Um, is a reason for that? Do you kind of like why you feel like that is or Noah, I've never been asked that question, and that's a very good question that uh I wish I knew why uh-huh. that was I, I really and you know what from this point forward I'm gonna make it a job to find out why there isn't as many black males in this field. Um yeah. us as black men, um it's the one thing that I always like to reiterate to young black men um, and older um, for that matter is that the one thing that no one and no man could ever take away from you is what you have is your knowledge is your, you know, is what, you know, Um, no one can, can, that can't be replaced. No one can take that from you. And with that being said, the fact that um, I think the next thing that falls under that is to be a black educator, it's very, very, a black male educator, uh, not to take away from the women at all, but there are lovely, a lot of black, you know, women teachers um, and educators, but black males, we're like a unicorn in this field. Um, And it's very, we're in high demand everywhere, anywhere you go. So that's one thing that I like to throw out there to 
um, the young black community is that, hey, as a black man, uh-huh. well, the second thing after your knowledge that they can't, that no one can take from you is if you're a black male educator, you're uh-huh. going to be needed no matter what, no matter where you go, there's always going to be a spot for you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely agree with that sentiment because I think even in my, you know, just thinking back of my entire, you know, schooling process from kindergarten to even now in law school, I probably had like a total of two black males educators, you know? And and I think um, I think that definitely plays a role, you know, in seeing us in these positions, um, you know, you kind of you see that as possible, you know, and you know you get a different tone from when you know somebody that is not, you know, that a race that looks like you is telling you something, you know. Yeah, it's a different a different feeling. Um, but kind of how about in the mental health like. I feel like almost in the African-American community or black community, like mental health is kind of not even taken as seriously. So it might coincide with a lot of people not being in a position like yours because we don't feel it's important, you know? So we don't feel to, to be around some people who have mental disabilities would be important because we don't even call it as important. But I think it is a very prevalent issue in our community it is it is um i think i think you know not even just you know the 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 autistic or the you know any child or adult that's on the spectrum i think it's important because you know you're not only so i feel like i serve again i wear more than than just one hat because working in the school system you know i may be working with an individual with special needs but there's hundreds of other children that are seeing me in this school um and that look up to me and that i'm able to teach without even having to i don't even have to necessarily be hands-on with them um they just do. my presence, you know, yeah. alone. And, and if they have questions, like, um, I've been in the, the last elementary school I worked in, uh, last year was predominantly, you know, white. And maybe within my first couple weeks, you know, I've had questions from like first graders, like, um, you know, was your skin always that color? Like, oh. and it, it didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. And, because I know that that's a genuine question that they just, you know, they didn't understand. And so, you know, he's a first grader. Now, if you was in, you know, 10th, 11th grade, then I might be like, all right, man, like, get out of here. (laughs) But you're a first grader, you know, what, seven years old? Yeah. You know, six years old, like, yeah, they're going to have questions. And I I explained it to him, you know, I I explained it to him the best way I knew how. and you know it just even the girls some of the girls would come up and touch my hair and they're like how did your hair get like that but these are kids you know so I don't I have patience you know I can talk to them and explain to them Uh you know the best way I possibly can yeah so kind of what um you know if I was trying to to be uh in this field like a physical or a behavioral 
um, you know, a therapist or a psych, you know, work with the kids. What would you say is, you know, the top three things that I definitely need to have when going into this? Um, so there's, there's different, um, there's different things you can do for the, for the ones who don't want to, um, or who haven't finished college or, or things like that. Um, there's different certifications and things that you can get through the state to become, you know, to get to the level you need to for the experience. So uh, before I was this, um, I was a behavioral assistant, um, which I got a free, I got uh, my certification for free. Ooh. Um, it was introduced from um, another uh, black male educator that I look up to. His name is Andre Greer. He also is doing a podcast. I have to get on for uh, fatherhood. Um, he wants me to join. And he has a, a, a business that I've been working for for about uh, like six years, five or six years. Uh -huh. um, I, he's, uh, I, I service my adult client through his um, business, but starting off you know he showed me and introduced me to behavioral assistant role and how much you can get paid you know as a behavioral assistant and it's free you go through Rutgers has classes um that you can go on you can sign up yeah you can sign up through uh Rutgers um there's specific uh I mean you can probably google it but the state of New Jersey has um specific courses that you need to have in order to get certified um once you get those you have to maintain it by taking a new course once every year to refresh uh your certification um so i was doing that and probably five years ago um i was probably making like you know 18 19 dollars an hour you know and that was more like a mentorship you know i would go to the homes and take the kids out into the community um take them to different events that the company would throw. Uh -huh. So that's all, you know, that's one way if you're, you know, not through going through the college route. And then of course, you know, I went and got my psychology degree um, or you can, and I minored in sociology. So you can either get psychology, sociology degree and, um, you know, companies will hire you and give you the correct training you need to become certified. Um, Nice. In, as a behavioral specialist nice so when you when you do right so now i got my certificates my training and stuff and now um you know i'm, I'm they give me my assignment um what's it like do they give you pretty much do they give you uh, you know a group of kids and you know be like you know figure out stuff to do with them like how to how does that part work like how do you put together like is it like putting together a game plan like like what do you what do you do for each, um, you know, time you, you rocking out? So I feel like, um, so the behavior, so behavioral assistant role is kind of much like that. You get a face sheet. Mm -hmm. um, it basically just tells you the age of the child, the, you know, the race, the gender, um, and you kind of build that relationship with the child and figure out their likes and dislikes. Once you first go in, you take like a little assessment while talking to the child or the caregiver, parent, um, whoever is, you know, caring for the child. And you take an assessment and find out some of their likes, dislikes, and some of the things that they're interested in. 
And from there you build a, you know, your own bond um, in the behavioral assistant role. Um, in ABA therapy, it's more so of, um, you get a face sheet as well, but it's only, um, it only tells you like their age and whether it's male or female and, you know, location, um, as well as the hours, because they're cut out for a certain amount of hours that you would do, uh, that you would work with them. And then uh, you kind of like, you, you run programs, basically, you have a, a BCBA that gives you different programs based on the child's needs. Uh-huh. And so how long have you been doing, doing this now? So I have done, um, I've been doing ABA therapy for only two years, um, the ABA therapy, but as, as a whole, uh, with like the behavioral assistant and everything working, it's kind of very similar field. Um, I'd probably say I was doing it probably about good, like seven years, Damn. seven, eight years. Damn, that's what's up. And, and what, over those seven years, what's the, what do you say is the biggest thing you've learned from working with this population or? Um, a few things I learned um, that if the parent or guardian or whoever is involved, that, um, well, first, let me start by saying that not every company operates the same. Um, there's a lot of state rules. There's a lot of things that are put in place that you can and cannot do technically. Uh-huh. And I don't always agree with the way, the way that certain things are. There's some companies that won't allow you to work with the parent as well as the youth. Uh-huh. And I think that is kind of like, kind of backwards for me because it's like you know i'm in your household for 10 hours a week Uh you have this child every single day so i learned you know working in this field that i'm not going to agree with the way that everything is written out on paper and then i i learned not to stereotype um because you know some of the face sheets tell you their past tell you some of the things that they've been through uh, before you get them and it's like some of the things you might have to watch out for uh-huh. and then sometimes you get this kid and it's like you get none of that you know yeah I will, five I will, years old <laughs> i will say too like how big of a role do you think it is um for the the parents and the guardians at home you know it's huge it's, it's bigger than me you know, if, if I'm going to be in your household or dealing with your uh, child in a school setting, it's bigger than me because education doesn't just stop in school. You uh-huh. know, what I mean? education should be continued at home and um, life skills are continued at home. They're learned at home. You know, um, these things are critical for survival. You know, I've had kids that were 14, 15 years old that didn't know how to wash properly. So I literally went in the bathroom, you know, and stood with the, you know, next to the shower curtain and said, you know, with the washcloth in my hand and showed them the proper way to wash. So being that they didn't learn that at home, you know what I mean? These are things. So that's not something they're teaching you in school. Yeah, exactly. So things like that are reason. There's reasons why, you know, they're teaching you, you know, uh, I've been in classrooms where they teach in high school, there's third grade math. When are we going to stop teaching them third grade math and teach them how to survive once they graduate next year or the year after that? 
I agree. So what? Well, so you know, you just made a good point about you know, kind of when are we gonna start teaching? You know, in these high schools, um, you know, life skills pretty much. Um, so if you could kind of you know, like if you were to have um, you know a chance or opportunity to kind of stand in front of a school board and say, well, maybe y'all should bring X, Y, Z to the school to kind of help these kids. What would kind of be some of the programs or, you know, things, ideas that you would kind of, you think you would propose? Um, I will definitely, uh, one of those things would be, um, you know, the most important thing for survival is, you know, you got to be able to, you know, like, take care of yourself. You got to be able to, you know, uh, be presentable for a job, whether it's at McDonald's and you work your way up to the manager, you need to be able to be presentable, you know, so that you're not being walked over. Um, so I think, you know, things is proper etiquette as far as, um, uh, how to dress for an interview, what to wear to an interview, how to fill out an application, um, how to even cook and prepare small meals, how to grocery shop for yourself for the week, um, things like that. Um, and, and at a certain age, you know, I don't think it should be pushed on, you know, like a third, fourth grader, you know, but at some point in time where, you know, there's kids that you're teaching in, in, you know, 10th grade, you're teaching them third grade math. Like, guess what? If they didn't get it by now, yeah. you know, it's time to kind of let that go, you know, and, and let's teach them, what they need to know they need to know you know how to spend money how to save money you know just survival how to live on their own yeah yeah um and i i agree um because i think you know just regular kids or you know all kids should kind of have these type of classes and that's something like you know that we don't really know how to balance a checkbook, how to write a checkbook, how to do all any of the, you know, financial literacy, um, any of that type of stuff. And, and that's what we need. Right. I, I don't really never I've never been in a situation where I had to figure out was a rock igne, igne, igneous rock or whatever. You know, like nobody like I don't even know why they do by like that. That sign, natural science or earth science. Um, but I think it it goes back to what you're saying. We need to start teaching um, the right things. So kind of, um, you know, if what if you were to have a group of kids, um, you know, what would you say um, is some of the stuff that, you know, would be beneficial in, in them doing? Like, all right, let me – take a group of these kids and kind of you think it's something I could start with high schools or start with middle schools or like where would somebody start if they wanted to start you know making a difference um you know what it, it that's kind of a um a tough one because I've had children whose maturity levels are on a different level I've had a first grader who could you know, run down, they can give you, they can do math better than I could. But then, <laughs> but then when it came to, you know, like telling the truth or like, you know, there was, there was behavioral things that were there that was enabling them to become, you know, to their, to their max potential because of, you know, something. So it depends on the maturity level. Um, 
And I've had high schoolers that just, uh, or middle schoolers that just knew already, like, school wasn't for them. And that's fine. I don't want every kid to think that school is for them and to live this American dream and that you're doing, because you didn't get married by 23, that you're (laughs) doing something wrong. And that's wrong. That's what's wrong with our society today. Yeah. A lot of us as, you know, and a lot of kids grew up thinking that that there's only one way to do things. It's not true. I agree. Um, And I I think that goes with, you know, you said you kind of teach them to be independent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's with independent on their own in the physical, but also like in the mental, like to have independent thinking. So like, how do you kind of put that into them that, yo, bro, like you could kind of be yourself. You don't got to go with the crowd or with society, what, what everybody says. Uh, one, I'm in a fraternity too. And, uh, one of my frat brothers, um, his name is Gene. He does, um, he's a motivational speaker. And one of the things that he wrote in his book, and I'll never forget it, it sticks with me and I use it all the time is that, um, anything out there that you love to do or that you like to do, there's someone out here that will pay you to do that. Mm. So if your reason why is big enough yeah. your how doesn't matter i agree and i love that um and i use it a lot um because i tell you know even the kids in a group home they think that because they're in the system that they're in a bad predicament but i'm like you gotta think of it and look at the glass as if you know stop looking at it as half full you know or half empty look at it as half full sometimes mm-hmm. because Yes, you're in the system, but guess what? There's kids out here that aren't getting three hot meals a day cooked for them. There's kids that in regular everyday homes, I wasn't getting my clothes washed every day. Mm-hmm. I didn't have snacks in my house every single day yeah. that was, uh, you know, that someone else paid for. Um, <laughs> and I, I, all they have to do is go to school and, you know, make their, even making their beds. They have someone come in and clean their rooms. And so it's like, I try to teach them that you got to look at things in a different perspective because yeah, you're part of the system, but guess what? As long as you are a part of the system, guess who has to pay for your education? Mm, So if you want to go to school for nine years and become a lawyer or a doctor, guess who's going to have to pay for your education for you to become a a lawyer or a doctor? The system, right? The same people that are washing your clothes and paying for, you know what I mean? So use it to its advantage. I And I think that's a, I think that's a, a beautiful point because a lot of times we do focus on the negative, right? And where your focus go, your energy flows. So if you, you know, focusing on this negative, damn, I'm, I'm in a system, I'm in a foster home, you know, you can look at all that, nobody want to come get me, I don't know where my, you know, and focus on that, and that'll put you in a much different place, yeah. if you focus on, because now, if you, the way you just, uh, just described it, it's, it sounded great, shit, free snacks, you know, laundry, you get the college paid for, you yeah. know, but this is the same way, there's two sides of looking at the same coin, you know, and I think that that point is, is very crucial and especially, especially for, you know, your population or, you know, you dealing with a group home, you come in from, you know, a pretty tough situation, you know, but I think that can go, 
you know, translate to everybody, you know, because when everybody's in a tough situation, it's like, yo, it always could be worse. It yeah. always could be worse, you yeah. know? Uh, <laughs> so I think that, I think that is definitely cool to keep that gratefulness and that perspective in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we, we could, we could start wrapping it up, but kind of just, I just got a couple quick questions before we go so like wh- who would you say is like one of your you know your top influences or your top you know mentors or motivators who kind of you know inspired you um I to be honest um I would say as an inspiration I kind of just uh Oh, that's a that's a good question too. I, I never you know, really you know said, it could be like your mom or something. Like sometimes I you know, I say my inspiration is my mom because just wa- watching her, you know, work how the way she worked when I was right. um so it's like it, it ain't gotta be like a crazy famous person because I feel like, you know, regular people are more inspiration yeah, than very much so. Um and I, I think I would probably say I would probably say my father. Mm-hmm. Um because I I grew up in a household with both parents, um, and I was still very very independent. Um, I never wanted them to do anything for me, and they'll tell you that to this day. I still was always a go getter, and I just wanted to do things on my own. Um, so with some of the things that he taught me in valuing, you know, family was a big inspiration. But a lot of things that I think of why I would say he would be one of my, you know, inspirations is because of the things that he didn't teach me Mm. that I had to learn on my own. Mm. Um, And I don't think it was something intentional because it's not things that you, it's not, you know, things that you can put your hand on. It it just was things that maybe he wasn't taught. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I, I don't fault him for those things. I actually like the fact that I had to learn it on my own because now I can bring it to him and I can make sure that my son gets the things that I missed. Mm, that's crucial. That's crucial. Um, all right. So, and then what's, you know, just kind of for, you know, anybody out there, young, old, whoever wants to get in, you know, this field or whatever, what's one, you know, last building block um, that you think they, you know, what's a super important building block that you think, you know, everybody should take and whatever foundation they build in? Just don't stop. Don't give up. Because, uh, you know, it took me longer than, you know, than four years to graduate college. And, and uh, just don't stop, man. Like, don't think because somebody graduated and, you know, in four years and they moved on to this big job and corporation that you're not doing something right. And everybody's story is written differently. Mm-hmm. So make sure that, you know, you live to your means, man. Don't go on social media and let social media, you know, pull you down. And, and it can happen to any of us because it can. It happens to me. Sometimes I see people on vacation. I'm like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like, what am I doing or not doing to, you know, to be on vacation? Like, I've, I've been wanting to take a vacation. And sometimes I let it beat me up. But then there's other things. That it's like, you know what? I don't care. You know, I, I got to there's 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 a goal that I'm trying to get to and I'm gonna get to it whether you know it's slow and steady uh-huh. 
you know, it may not be as fast because everybody comes from different situations as well. So yeah. we can't look at those things, you know, and, and let it tear us apart. Yeah, man. I think that's I think that's a dope point, yo, because uh especially with social media, I think people don't realize that, you know, what you're seeing is highlights. Like you're not seeing the regular grind. So just like a sports center, when you watch a sports center, you watch it all the highlights, it's beautiful, but you ain't sit through that whole three hour game. Right. A lot of shit going on through that three hours. So I think, you know, the three hours is the big deal. And I think, you know, just like kind of – I call it like the 28-3 mindset, like when the Patriots was losing 28-3 and they came back. You feel right. me? That's always what I think of. It can always be done, you know. So no matter what type of, you know, analogy you want to put it, right. it ain't over. Just, you know. I like, say, uh, I like to tell people too, like, yo – everything is not on social media, you know, and everything doesn't belong on social media. And when people, sometimes people get upset because, you know, like I don't post my son on social media, on my social media. And they think, you know, a girls will hit me up. Like, I think that's so stupid. Like you're hiding him. And I'm like, do you post your bank account information on social media? You, you let us know what's in your bank account every week or what you get paid. If you don't, then it's the same thing to me. Like, I feel like I don't, you know, I'm not hiding him, but what if he yeah. wants to be a FBI agent when he gets older? Yeah. And now I, I hindered him from doing that because I posted something up of him, like, pissing on the wall or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who am I, to, you know what I mean, to ruin his future? Like, if he decides when he gets old enough that that's something he wants to do or that he yeah. wouldn't mind, then cool, when he can make that decision. But until then... I don't do that. Yeah. Or why you got to put your son on, like, why do I got to do that anyway? It's my, my post. I can post what I want. If I want to post all pictures of plants all day, that's what I'm going to post, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I agree, but I think everybody is so, you know, kind of wanting to be accepted um, and kind of be with nobody wanting to go out and, and, you know, go against the majority. Everybody just stops at the at the title page. They don't go beyond that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They wanna they wanna just read the title page and think that they understand the whole book. And it's, that's not the way life works. Yeah, I agree. Um and I think, you know, a quote from what was it Socrates, he kinda said, I'm the wisest man because I understand that I'm not the wisest man. You feel me? And so many people just want to say, like, it's so crazy because even when I talk to people now or might, you know, give them advice or give, you know, give your opinion or something, the first thing out of their mouth is, I know, but, you feel me? Like, it's always, I know, but, I know, but. I know. Nobody wants to learn. Damn, you know everything, then, so I, I should just probably stop talking, I guess. Nobody wants to learn. Because you know everything. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was just my last tidbit. But um, man, it, it's been it's been great having you on the podcast, brother. Appreciate I do, um, you. Know, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, I appreciate everything you're doing in your communities and um, you know, helping the youth and everything like that. So you know, keep it up. And um, if it's any, and is it any way that you know maybe if somebody was listening, maybe want to reach out to you, maybe um you know inquire more about what you're doing with the um you know, the kids or something, is there any way they can, uh, you know, contact you or anything like that? Yeah, they can contact me on, uh, on my social media. Um, so my, my Instagram is, uh, at yo baby yo is at, um, yo, 
Y-O underscore baby, B-A-B-Y underscore yo, Y-O. So um, I can be contacted on there. You could DM me. Um, I'm pretty good with responding to everybody. Um, I like to post a lot of funny things up there. So, you know, and a lot of people, I get a lot of feedback from the social media as well. If you want to follow that, um, I get a lot of feedback just from people saying, hey, I made, you made my day just reading your timeline. Um, and I think that's cool. You know, it's, that's free. Yeah. It's exactly. free therapy. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that's dope as too, man. Cause you know, sometimes I put stuff on my uh, stuff too. And I, I always tell people like, when you get a compliment of somebody saying that, you know, like you made their day, or, like you were reason that they, they went back to school or they did this or they did that. It's like, yo, I don't care. I could after all the bullshit, like that one, you know, that that one little conversation, that's what it's for. You feel me? That's what we you know you do this shit for that just know you can only touch one person, but just yeah. as long as you touch that one person, you you straight. Did your job. That's cool, man. And and you know, keep doing your thing. Keep pushing. This is dope, man. I like what you're doing. Um, I'll definitely post it up. I'm posted up on my YouTube as well. Um, I haven't really got a chance to do as much as I wanted to on my YouTube yet, but this, I'll definitely put it up there um, and, and spread it out to the community up here, man, because yeah. uh, we got we to gotta yeah. work with I, each other. Yeah, each I was other. about to say, man, I appreciate it. And anybody you know up there, like I heard you, you know, I know you mentioned your boy uh, that, that was writing a book, the motivational speaker. He sounded like a book. Yeah, I was about to say, he sound like a great person to have on the podcast, too. So, um, you know, I'd definitely be, you know, interested in talking to him and talking to a bunch of more people, um, you know, uh, up there that's doing a lot of stuff. Because I just want to, you know, give people more options, you know. I, I feel like, you know, we was always restricted and being a basketball player or a football player or this, but I feel like now they start to see we could be lawyers, we could be behaviors, um, specialists, assistants, we could be, you know, technicians, we could be a lot more. Um, so we can open up the floodgates and really get yeah. stuff popping, man. And, and, and it's, it's important that you're doing this, man. I like it, you know, and like you said, it's definitely just putting out there that um, a lot of these kids think that I'm going to college, I'm coming out making – a hundred thousand dollars a year or eighty thousand dollars a year like there's nothing wrong with making sixty thousand dollars a year yeah. and, and and that's not to say that that's your only hustle you know what yeah. i mean you do things on the side exactly and like even if like let's say even if you did get you a scholarship to play some sports you you might not go pro but since you're there anyway you have access to this this education you got access to these other, you know, opportunities. Do, yeah. While you're there, you make it, you take advantage. You use them like they use you. They only use you for a couple plays, so you use them for that degree, man. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's beautiful, man. So, again, man, um, thanks for coming on. And um, until next time, family, keep building. All right, peace. Peace, man.